Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. Thank you, worship team. Guys, you know, I, I'm gonna just go into a time of offering before I jump in here. I just wanna share this thought, and you can throw the giving side up, team. I'm not gonna speak much about it. Give if you feel led to give. Feel if you feel in your heart to give to the Lord. Today, just, just do what the Lord presses on your heart. Maybe it's towards that Love Pilsen event. Maybe it's your general tithes and offerings. The Lord is very clear in scripture about giving. He's very clear about how his kingdom operates. And um, you know, scripture talks about that when you bring your tithes and your offerings to the storehouse, man, he does wonders, he does miracles, he moves, he, he transforms, he changes, and I'm not talking just bank accounts. You with me? But peace in your life, joy in your life, overwhelming presence in your life of who he is. You know, I, we were singing that song, you know, over and over, Lord send revival, Lord send it now, like we need a move of your spirit. The way that happens is when people become desperate in every area of this faith journey. Every area, not just singing songs, not just opening up your Bible, but in all areas of this faith thing, this thing of following Jesus. And one of the things I believe revival, revival continues to happen and will happen is when people dependency, people's dependency is solely on Christ, specifically too in the areas of provision. How I many you know right now it's really hard to trust God with all the unknowns? If you don't have your hand raised, I want to have a Bible study with you and I want to have faith like you have. But it's really, really, really hard in these moments when we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The good news about it is, is Jesus said this, I will give you daily bread. You know, we pray that prayer. You know what prayer I'm talking about? Our Father in heaven, how be in your kingdom, your will be done on earth, and does it give this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins? Right? We all know it. Like, 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 like before games, we used to recite it as if like God was gonna, anyways, move in that time. Like, but there's a line there, and this is not anything about today, but maybe it is. It says, "Give us our daily bread." What's happening in the church right now is we're learning how to solely depend on daily bread. We're not learning how to have all this stuff, to amass all this stuff, to get all this stuff from God, and then we, then we will trust God. Because that, that's the truth of, of us. That's the truth of me. God, if you give me this, then I'll trust you. Then I'll listen. Then I'll obey. Then I'll lean into you. Come on, who wants to be honest and have a confessional moment here? That's not how this works. How it works is, God, I trust you today for this day and this day only. So have your way. Give me the daily bread. And in, and in that, we can sacrificially give. We can give to him. We can press in with him. We can worship like, man, we can work. I want this church one day to, to people to come in and not have to have a warm-up. <laughs> like not have to have a 20-minute warm-up before we just start knocking down walls. 
Because we're so it just moved and touched by the presence of God. We're so encouraged in our time alone with him. We're so moved by his goodness that we come into his temple with thanksgiving in our hearts, with praises on our lips, and we don't need to have the right song. We don't need to have the right lyrics. We don't need to have the right singers. We just come in with arms open wide, with our mouths lifting praises and rejoicing the king because, guys, he deserves it all. Amen? Hey, so just give today whatever you feel on here. Is that even a giving message, Pastor? I don't know. But this is the truth of today. I feel it in my spirit. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stop being like, and listen, I know some people worship different. Don't, don't hear me. Don't, don't feel like, oh, I, I don't worship. It's, that's not what I'm talking about. But coming in, how, how many of you woke up eager to get to the house? And if you didn't, I wanna encourage you. Fight for that spirit to get, be eager to show up to his presence. Whew. You know, scripture says it's better to be a, a gatekeeper, a doorkeeper outside of his house than to be in the courts of the wicked. Man, I'd rather stand outside of God. I'd rather, you know, I'm thankful. Who's thankful for the parking lot crew? Can we get thanks to the parking lot crew? All the brothers up here, they're all right here. Amazing. Man, I'd rather just be able to be there if God's there and moving in his presence. Amen. Can we jump into our, to the message today? Actually, Pastor, go ahead and just jump into them. Okay. You have your Bibles? Who brought your Bibles? The lights are on today, so you can read your Bibles. Daniel chapter four, open up to Daniel chapter four. I'm gonna read verses one through three to kick us off this morning. As we've been going through this series called Culture Influencers, um, and you guys have been with us, you know what we're talking about. Two very uh, big buzzwords today, influencer, culture, what's culture doing, how's culture speaking, what's the way of culture, all those different things, right, with culture, doing it for the culture, how is things moving, how are things shaping, how are things going. We are shaped ultimately by culture. Right? Would you agree with that? Whether you want to believe that or not, we're all in some way or some form shaped by the culture that we are a part of. It could be the clothes, it could be what we listen to, it could be the way we live, it could be the things that we do. We're all shaped by culture. We're influenced by culture. I was reading this week and I, I was studying more and I realized that, that you know, influencers today, um, it's a billion dollar industry. Can you believe that? That people that are social media, online, TV influencers, that that industry has become a billion dollar industry over the past couple years. Talk about some money, right? Like in some way, somehow over the past few years, as, as social media has ramped up, as, as people have looked to other people to lead them, to guide them and direct them, they've monetized it and they've done a really good job. $30, 30 million dollars for one individual just to post a post on Instagram. That's nuts. Right, y'all with me? That's, that's crazy. And so the world is desperately paying, <laughs> looking, pleading for leading, for direction, for influence. And guys, I will keep harping on the same thing over and over again. I'm tired of the world influencing us. It's not us against them. Don't ever hear that. It's not we're better than the world. No, it's us serving the world and us sowing into the world and us drawing the world to the presence and to the goodness of our God. But enough's enough, church, where we're saying, hey, world, influence us. Instead, we are called by the Spirit of God to rise up and to say, hey, world that's hurting, world that's broken, world that is in pain. Come on, how many of you know the world is in pain right now? Whether they want to, y'all wearing masks, keep them on. But people got so many masks on today. They're in pain. Man, I was in pain all the way till I was at 22. 
pain. I was looking for answers from all sorts of different things and people and relationships and money and jobs and just being the guy. What was the solution? Jesus. Always only Jesus. That was it. So man, church, we have the solution. We have the solution. His name is Jesus. And it is our calling today, it's our commission today to rise up and be the people that influence the world around us. And so Daniel is a mighty man of God that we have studied, we have learned, we're gonna continue to learn about him. This, this chapter of scripture is an interesting chapter of scripture. This chapter of scripture, Daniel chapter four, um, this is written by the king. King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge of Babylon, the, 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 the ruling um, land of that time, right? He's the king, he is the ruler over all the land. They have taken over the people of Israel, God's family, God's people, they've taken it over. And so Daniel and his three boys, his three homies are now in captivity in Babylon. You with me? 11 a.m., you got some sleep, you with me? And so, so, so now they're, they're there and they're serving the king and the king just put three of them in the fiery furnace last week, right? Talk about a moment, not compromising, not bowing down, right? And so he throws them in the furnace, God walks with them, Jesus meets them in there, pulls them out of the furnace and now, now, now many people read Daniel 3 into Daniel 4 and they think, well, this is just one day after the other. How does the king go from, from, from saying now Yahweh, king of all gods, God of all gods is now the king and we're gonna serve him to now the next chapter now, King Nebuchadnezzar's writing an autobiography about how he had to be humbled by the Lord because he turned away from the Father. 20 years have passed from this moment, many people believe. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is writing these words at the very beginning that set up the whole rest of the chapter that I'm gonna do my best to get through. How many of you think I can get through this in 25 minutes? Thank you, mama. I appreciate you. Faith in your pastor, in Jesus' name. It says this, King Nebuchadnezzar's writing these words. Verse one, chapter four. To the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. It is my pleasure. Is it your pleasure today to tell people about the goodness of God? Is it your pleasure today to tell people about how marvelous and how wonderful our God is? Or is it your pleasure, is it JP's pleasure to whine, to complain, to, to pout, to be sad, to, to disrespect, to hate? You with me, church. Come on, this is the reality of 2020, right? Or is it our great pleasure to shout and to proclaim how good the king of all kings has been? He says it's a, it's a pleasure. The signs and wonders that the most high God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. God has not left us, he has not abandoned us, he has not forsaken us, his kingdom has not been brought down. Let me remind us today, church, his kingdom is eternal. It will see it through all the way. His dominion endures from generation to generation. And so, I wanna talk about a, uh, today, just a title if I have to, because pastors have to give titles to sermons. Who's in charge? Who's in charge here? King Nebuchadnezzar is writing these words at the front because he had a moment where he understood who was in charge. <laughs> How many of you know today, the words in charge, 
and authority are curse words. Like, like when you tell someone that you're like, I'm in charge, they're like, no, you ain't. I'm in charge. No matter the credentials, no matter the authority you've been given, like, like somehow, some way, we've created a culture today where you all are in charge. Like we all are in charge of our own, right? In some ways, that's true, right? Like I'm in charge of my home. I'm in charge of, of the way that things happen in my marriage. I'm in charge of the way that things happen with my son, right? Right? You with me? Like being in charge in some ways is really good. But like I knew in my home growing up, who was the, the person in charge? And that was my father and my mother, right? Like when you're growing up, whoever you're living with, whoever's raising you, you know at some level that there are people that are over you that are in charge of you, that will help you, that will lead you, that will guide you, that will direct you, that will see you through, that will correct you, right? That will discipline you. We're now disciplining Titus at this age. That brother needs to get saved and he needs to get saved fast. I'm praying for his salvation. That brother was here at the 9 a.m. Man, I, woo, y'all don't think, I took that brother outside in the back. I had a conversation with him. Anyways, that was a joke. It was a lot funnier. You guys are all thinking, what happened to that kid? He's safe. Mom took him home. He's realizing now that he is not the boss. <laughs> that there's someone over him. There's someone covering him. Can I be honest, church? If, if, you, have, if you are not allowing God to be in charge and to cover you, you will never be over anything. Because if you can't be over, be, be, be covered by somebody, you'll never be over anything, ever. Nebuchadnezzar, king, he, he understood this in a moment that was hard, that was crazy. This, this moment in, in this chapter is absolutely wild. The Bible is crazy. Can we all agree to that? <laughs> I always tell people, they're like, I'm like, what are you reading? They're like, oh, some scandal book. It's amazing. I'm like, they're like, what are you reading? I'm like, a scandal book. They're like, what is it? I'm like, the Bible. They're like, what? I'm like, yo, read the Bible. There are some stories in there. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like I read that, I'm like, God, what, what in the mess is going on here? And so, so just a quick backdrop, and we're gonna talk, but, but like, today, like more than ever, if we're gonna influence the world around us, we first have to come to an understanding that we have to be influenced. You with me? That like you could have great intentions to go out into the world and change it and transform it. That's really good, that's our commission. But if you're not doing it in the right way, in the right steps, you will do more harm than good. You will hurt people. I I've learned that in times of, can I be honest, in times of my own life when I've thought I was going out and doing the right things and doing the right things that needed to happen, I did sometimes more hurt than I did help because I wasn't going out under the covering of God. I'm so thankful that Rachel and I didn't come a year early than what we did to this city. At one point in our marriage, we, we literally said, we're coming to the city in a year earlier. We're gonna do it, we're gonna go for it. And if we would've came a year earlier under our own decision, man, this thing would not be here today. Well, sovereignty of God, yes, I believe in all that. But I believe there's a massive call on the church today to come under and say, he's in control, we are not. He is on his throne, we are not. 
It is his power. It is his might, not ours. It's his wisdom, not ours. It's his discernment, not ours. It's his platform, not ours. It's his ideas, not mine. It's his power, not my power. Are you with me today, church? It's got a shift in our brain and in our spirit that it's his provision over us. Yes, we co-work with Christ. We co-labor and you work hard at your job and you sow and you do all the things that God's called you to do, but it's ultimately on him. He's in control. He is the one that we look to. And so what makes us today more than ever have to understand this is that people are looking to be led. And in order for us to lead them, we gotta say, we're not in control. We're not in charge. And how that happens? A word that we all love. I'm gonna talk about. You ready? Pride. Who's got pride? Don't look to the person next to you. Someone's like, this guy, this, that. he does. I know he does. We all do. Every hand should go up. If it didn't, my point is proven. <laughs> if we're going to influence this culture, then we need to let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts, specifically in the area of pride. This is exactly what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was, was the king. He threw him in the furnace, saw God redeem him. Starts says, hey, everybody, we're gonna worship that God. That's the God we're gonna worship. And I believe King Nebuchadnezzar had every heart right intention to do that. And I, I believe over those first couple of years, he did it. And then time started to happen. Accomplishments started to happen. He started to build the city up. At that time, between those years, it's said to believe that Babylon built this drastic, amazing, big, massive city, grand city. And so over those years, I believe King Nebuchadnezzar saw the building, saw the creation, saw all the wonders and all the things start to happen. And he forgot about that moment where he said over here 20 years earlier, King Yahweh is in control. Why? Pride. He started to look at all his accomplishments, all his giftings, all his talents, and he started to say, I did this. I built this. I created this. And God was gracious, and God was merciful. And it came to a place right here where God said, hey, listen, King Nebi, <laughs> you are not in control, and I gotta work on you right now. Oh, God's just mean. God is a mean God. Have you ever thought that? My hand's up. Can I flip the script maybe? God's merciful. 20 years that King Nebuchadnezzar lived with his pride root, 20 years, and you don't think God tried to get his attention? You don't think God tried to speak to him? You don't think God, God is always trying to get your attention, can I be honest with you? God is always trying to call you out of the places that you are in. I may get to my notes, I may not. I just need to speak this. God is always reaching down from heaven and calling you and speaking to you and trying to get you, trying to get a hold of you, trying to re renew your spirit, trying to transform your spirit, trying to transform your mind. God does not want to leave you where you're at. God does not want to leave you in the things that you have been battling for years. God does not want to leave you in the bondage and the addictions that you've been struggling with for years. God does not want to leave you in the identity and the stuff that you have been wrestling with for so many years. God does not want to leave you in that marriage that is an absolute train wreck. God does not want to leave you at that place of that marriage. He wants to restore it. He wants to renew you. He wants to transform you. He wants to shape you. He wants to mold you. He wants to make you more like him. And in order for that to happen, we got to go, okay, God, I'm not in control then. <laughs> How many of you know it's really hard to take your hands off the wheels when you're driving? It's very dangerous. <laughs> but we sing the song, Jesus, take the So this story shows me that this world is looking for something. 
And for us, in, in for us, in order to show it, first things first, pride must die. First things first, pride must die. Hey, I'm not going to read all of chapter four. You, got, you should go home and read your Bibles. Amen? Go home and read chapter four. But King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and this dream is that they built this massive, this tree grows super strong and mighty, and it's, it's got branches, and it's incredible, and then all of a sudden, this tree gets chopped down. It says that only the stump was left, but the tree that was knocked down represented King Nebuchadnezzar. Many times in scriptures, trees rep represented kings and, and royalty, and so that king, the King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, is frightened, looks to all his wise men first. Let me just say this, because this is a crazy story. I didn't say this at the nine o'clock. He, he looks to all his wise men first to interpret the dream. How many know the world is gonna look to the world first for solutions? And then they're gonna have the wherewithal. I believe this is happening. I believe we're on the cusp of this. I'm gonna prophetically speak this, that we are on the cusp of this city. Oh man, I believe, it's coming real fast. Is this okay? I believe we are on the cusp of this city going. We've looked to the world's solutions for long enough. I wonder what these people can do. I wonder what the church of Jesus Christ can do. I wonder what the saints of heaven can do. I wonder what solutions they have right now because we have not gotten the answers. We have not seen death stop in our city. We have not seen hate stop in our city. And I believe more than ever, this city's gonna go, help. And so the king calls Daniel and says, Daniel, come tell me this dream interpretation after asking the world. Daniel tells him, hey, king, it's you. And for seven years, you're going to go. And your kingdom is going to be taken, in a sense, from you. And you're going to go live in the land like an animal. <laughs> Anybody ever read this story before? Three of us, we really need it. Don't, don't be shy. Just be proud. Like, I've, I've read this story, pastor. It says that he went out and acted like an animal for seven years. <laughs> The Bible's wild. You know, God can do whatever he wants. Whatever. So he goes. What that's, what, what that's showing is that God had to work on his heart. Notice that God didn't kill the king. This, this is rich. Because sometimes we think God's just going to like smack us and kill us. No, 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 no. He didn't kill the king. He said, King, I got to kill the pride in you. So, so he sends him out to go get worked on. And Daniel tells him, hey, it's, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go on. This is what, what you're going to experience. You're going to get pruned, King. My wife is always chopping flowers in our house. Like all the flower beds she's had, she's always out there like chopping them. I'm like, babe, you're going to kill them. She's like, hon, you have no idea. I don't. I literally don't. I see those things. I'm just like taking them and throwing them away. Like, I literally threw a dead flower away, a dead plant. It was dead, right? I threw it away. This is a whole terrible story. You guys are here. Welcome. It's so good to have you all. I threw that flower away. Rachel comes home hours later. JP, where's the flower? I said, babe, it died. I tell you what, my wife, whoo. She was like, babe, what are you doing? It's not dead. It just needs more water. It just needs new, new soil. Just get that thing out of the garbage. That, that lady, that woman, incredible woman of God, praise the Lord for Rachel. She replanted that flower in a flower pot with fresh soil and got some water and some miracle grow, I think. And that flower's blooming in Jesus' name. So I have no idea about flowers. But what I do know to be true now because I've studied and I learned is that you have to prune certain flowers and, and, and plants. And in the pruning, the cutting of branches the cutting of, of different things off of them allows for them to grow. 
allows for them to grow stronger, allows for them to grow better, healthier. So pride is one of those things that's in all of us, thinking highly of ourselves, thinking better of ourselves, thinking that it's our accomplishments that have made us, thinking that we are the one that's in control, right, all these things. It's that stem, it's that, that branch that, that God's saying today within his church, I gotta cut that off. I gotta cut that out of you. I gotta cut that off of you because I need you to be healthier. I need you to be stronger. I need you to be wiser. I need you to be about me more. You with me, church? How many of you know dealing with pride is not fun? I don't know the last time besides this week that it was, it was a minute that I went before the Father and I said, God, I got pride in me. I don't think that's a prayer that I pray too often. God, search my heart, and if I got pride in there, remove it. But I'm gonna tell you one thing, I'm gonna start doing it more. Because pride is not only thinking of yourself highly, but it's also thinking of yourself poorly. Did you catch that? Where you don't claim the, 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 the identity that Christ gave you. This is not saying that you can't be proud of yourself. This is not saying that you can't have people cheering you on and being impressed by your works. Don't get it twisted though. It is not by you, but it is by him. This is not to say that, that you can't remind your spirit that you are a co-heir with Christ, that you are a son and daughter, that you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places, that you are no longer bound by the things of the world, that you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are set free and you are free indeed. I don't know who is in this room today at 11 o'clock, but some people need to hear this, that you can tell yourself who you are in Christ. Be proud of that. Be cheerful of that. But we gotta be careful not to walk in this thing that we know it all. This is what's happening in today's world. You put a post on Facebook that people don't like, guess what, you're gonna hear all the people's opinions and all the things that they think is right. You know what's better for the church, can we be honest? Stop fighting social media battles, just don't go love people in the streets. And everybody says. Stop being like, I got him, I got this one, yeah, yeah, like, oh, I've accomplished the Lord's work today. No, you haven't. You've just caused more dissension and more hate. <laughs> People are like, I'm out of here, never, this guy's nuts. <laughs> Slack. Pride is saying, I don't have the answers, but I know the one that does. Pride is saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's go to the one that does. Pride says, I'm not going to be able to do this, but he will be able to do it through me. You with me, church? Pride has to die. If we're gonna influence culture, then we gotta say, we're good with not being in the driver's seat. We're good with not being in control. Can we be honest? We're all control freaks. We're all schedule planning freaks. We all plan our lives out. Five minutes, some of you. Five years, some of you. Some are better than others. So God wants to release pride out of our lives. He wants to take it from us. My hope is, is that we don't have to get to the place where we're seven years left in a field somewhere acting like animals. You with me? My, my prayer is, is that we don't have to be people that find ourselves years down the road going, how did we end up here? Why did we end up here? Well, why was because you thought you could do it. I thought I could do it. Instead of saying, no, God, you can do it. So when pride dies, that's, that's when the work can start to happen. You know, we sing of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You guys know some of the songs? The resurrected king is resurrecting me. You guys know that song? We sing it a lot in this church. I love that song. It's a great song. Keep singing it, right? 
You can't be resurrected if you've never died. Thank you. You've you cannot sing, God, resurrect me, if you don't realize that you were dead or that you need to die to self. You can't be resurrected by King Jesus if you are still in control because you are now just still living as a dead man walking. You with me? Pride says, you're good, stay alive, keep alive, fight. Humility goes, I'm dead. I'm done. I've done this long enough. You are in control. When pride dies, things start to happen. The second thing and the last thing is this. When pride is released, restoration is performed. How many of you are grateful that God just does not leave us with that bad news of like, just kill pride? He wants to restore people. I don't care what you've heard about God. If you've heard this about God, you've heard about the wrong God. God convicts, God challenges, God's word is true. Amen, church. But God is a God that wants to restore the things that are broken. God is a God that wants to bring life where there is death. God is a God that where there is pride, he wants to work through you, heal you, restore you, and he wants to bring you to a place that you could never imagine. When pride is released, restoration begins. Why am I preaching about this? Why didn't I preach some good influence message? Because I realized something. As we begin to influence, what could happen easily is that we start to take credit when revival comes, because I believe it's coming, and that's not some cliche thing to say because I got the microphone and I'm a pastor. I have never felt this sensing in my spirit like never before this moment, this time. I believe God is going to open up the storehouses of heaven, and we are going to see his grace and his blood pour out on the city that we have never grasped. And here's my challenge. I hope you're with them. I hope you're awake enough to realize what's happening. And you haven't given into the culture of this world and you're dead to your trespasses, but you're alive in Christ to see what he's doing. So I'm getting to this point because we gotta say, God, when you come and you pour out, I wanna be a vessel that can be used by you. And God can't stand pride. It says he actually opposes it. That's a fun word. He rejects it. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When you say, man, I, I got to get this thing off me, I got to get this off of me, he restores you. Look at the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel tells him this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go on. This is all that's going to happen. It says in Daniel 4.27, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that you then your prosperity will continue. So Daniel tells him, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go on. Take the lesson now, gang. Renounce of what you've been doing. Ask for forgiveness. Take it now. And then he says in verse 36 or 37, this is the king writing these words. At the same time that my sanity was restored, speaking of himself, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. You know what that says to me? I got hope. I got hope. You all should have hope. 
that if you're willing to lay your life down at the feet of Jesus Christ, if you're willing to lay your pride down at the feet of Jesus Christ, he is going to restore you to the purpose and to the calling that he's had for you from the beginning of time, from the moment he gave you life, from the moment that he knit you in your mother's womb. He purposed each and every one of you. Yes, callings might look different, or, or careers might look different, but we all have a calling on our lives, and that is to represent the name of Jesus Christ. And from that moment that he conceived you, you were conceived in your mother's womb, he purposed you for a destiny for such a time as this. And he's saying to you, listen, church, listen, my people, listen, my sons and daughters, it is not you, but it is me that is in control, me that is in charge. So turn your eyes, look to me, and know where your help comes from, because I'm going to use you for great and mighty things that you could never imagine. Amen. Pride goes, we're restored back to the Father's heart. And I believe there's a great restoration coming. Like the king calls then the whole nation to worship him again. The whole nation. We're going to influence culture. We need to be influenced first. We can't be influenced when we're not allowing God to work in us. You with me? So my challenge today, my close, this is it. My challenge today, put your fists down. 